Hello, everyone, and welcome to episode 72 of the Blind Android Users Podcast. This is being recorded today, April 23rd, 2022. I am here with my co-host and a very special guest who is going to be part of our podcast today, and we'll be talking about his Android journey story. Coming up, we have our announcement segment. Then we have the Android Basics segment, wherein we talk about the battery management. Up from that, we have the app of the week. And this week, we have our special guest, Rod Maku, who will be talking about a very special app for those of you that play music or know how to play music. Following that, we have the talkback highlights. And then we conclude the episode with my very favorite segment of the podcast, and that will be the Android Journey Story. And of course, our guest, Rod Maku is here to talk about his Android journey story, and that would be the conclusion of our podcast for today. Guys, what's going on? Uh, Cam, tell me about that new toy you got. What's up with that? Oh, you mean the awesome Samsung Galaxy Watch 4? That is absolutely beyond amazing. Um, Yeah, I just got it yesterday and did a complete setup of it. Just trying to figure out where things hide, get it all tweaked up to my specs. Loving the fact that I actually have the the dial on it. So I, the rotating crown makes my life so much more convenient for navigating the menus. So yeah, I'm pretty pumped. Nice. Well, you know, rumor has it that sometime uh, this year, the Galaxy 5 for some reason, Samsung is going to be getting rid of that. I don't know how true that is. That doesn't make sense. You know, actually, my girlfriend said something about that this morning, that it looks like the Galaxy Watch 5 will be coming out. And I'm sitting there going, that just, it seems a little strange that they'd pump out the 4 and the 4 Classic and completely go against what they normally do and pump out a new one. So, I mean, if, it come, if a new one comes out, great. But... I'm not going to expect it. I would expect more of your budget line, like your active or something like that to come out opposed to a, a new flagship. Yeah, but I don't know why they would want to get rid of the crown, though. But anyway, we'll see what happens. These are just rumors. Uh, Austin, what are you cooking? Uh, you got back into that new house, haven't you? Yeah, I got back into my new house. My house is ready and got it rebuilt at last. So. Back into the new house. You're going to make me some of the awesome tikka masala. Yeah, that's what is for dinner today. Oh, God damn it. I'm jealous now, man. Like, <laughs> oh, my, my, my taste buds. <laughs> <laughs> uh, what a nice thing to share with your friends virtually, you know. Yeah. Hey, Rod, you are here with us. Uh, tell us as to what's going on, where you are, where you're joining us today. And, of course, you'll talk about that in your Android journey story, but how are you doing? Hi, thanks for having me today. Um, We're still waiting for warmer weather here in Wisconsin. I live in in Appleton, Wisconsin. And uh, it seems like um, now that I'm retired, um, there are always things to do. I keep myself busy uh, volunteering uh, with our literacy group, teaching adult English learners how to speak English to help them um, navigate the community. So that's some of the things that are is going on in my life. That's a worthy cause, and I like that. Thank you so much for doing that. Is Appleton by chance the home of Appleton Estate Rum? Um, I guess not. I don't know anything about that. <laughs> Appleton is about 35 miles from Green Bay. I used to live in Green Bay, and I met my partner, Dawn Fisher, over 10 years ago on Match.com. She had a nicer house than I did, and so I moved down <laughs> Women Appleton. always do. <laughs> I mean, that, that, that's a good reason to move. I, 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 can, I can get behind that. Same thing happened to me. <laughs> a few years ago, I bought a, a house next door to hers i was fortunate so now i'm coming to you from my man house um, <laughs> next door to hers that has really worked out well 
That's the man's cave, right? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> you you, you left your man cave to move in with your partner? Like, dude. <laughs> it's you, like my, you having do? a bachelor pad and, um, you know, being able to uh, live with my partner and our dog. So Ooh, what nice. can I say? I the best of both worlds now. Oh, uh, yeah, I, I can get behind that. And when you want to do boys things like what we're doing today, you know, uh, talking tech, then you go into the man's cave and you do that right. from there. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Thank you so much, Rod. Let's move on to the announcement segment. Uh, now, do we have anything in the announcement segment, Austin? Today's announcement section is very packed. It's so, first of all, the dates for the DroidCon is 2nd and 3rd of June. I know it's very far away, but once the date gets closed, we'll give another announcement for that. The next announcement is suddenly TalkBack 12.2 dropped and with lots of new things. So that is a good thing. Warren, do you want to talk about it? So it is that some people have gotten that TalkBack 12.2 and some haven't. So if you haven't gotten it yet, I uh, guess the word here is to be patient. Uh, it's interesting that some people have already gotten it and some haven't gotten it. It's just one of those things. I think it rolls out region by region. But, you know, people have talked about the fact that they've received it and we'll see uh, how it all pans out. I think we'll talk about it fully um, next week, you know, when more and more people have gotten it. So in that way, no one is feeling like they're being left out out of the big party. So we'll talk about that next week uh, when a lot of people have gotten that new update. Now we move on to our next segment, and that's our main focus of the episode. And this week, we're talking about battery management. As we continue our way through the system settings, we now come to the battery management. And today, we're talking about battery management. This is where we go in and change how the battery is used, whether we want to activate that adaptive battery management and things like that. And also, here is where you could find things like battery sharing and all of that. But you have to go into the battery settings within the system settings to do all of that. And also from here, you could also control as to which app has access and how long, whether they should have access to that battery perpetually or just um, limited fashion. And so we will be having Ed talking about that as he demos what we're talking about here. But before we do, though, do you guys have any comments before we have a talk about this battery management? So one thing is there that we need to be very careful while setting this section up. We need to be very careful while setting things up here because some apps, some settings might not uh, allow apps to work properly because especially battery optimization will limit the app performance and notification delays will be there. So you need to remember what app you're giving access to what, and then you need to be able to revert. So be very careful while doing things in this section. That is very true, because if you find an app that is misbehaving or maybe not behaving right because of the battery, it could be all in here, and you need to go in here and check. And to be sure, though, if it's an app that you rely on, especially if something that you want to get notifications promptly on time, you want to make sure that that thing is not set to or is not put in the column that its battery is uh, limited. So you want to be sure you choose things here wisely. And yet in the same breath, you want to make sure that you're not overly putting out a lot of things in here that will wind up draining your battery and leaving you with a short battery and things like that. So it's one of those things that one learns by which ones he or she needs and using that uh, kind of uh, discretion then makes it possible for one to get the things that they need because if you don't, then you're going to have too much uh, going on and then you have that short battery I talked about. And yeah, so be careful what you do in here and manage things well. And also, I noticed there was a time I said mine to, hey, you know, uh, when it's at 2% or 3%, uh, then turn on 
the uh, battery saver. And I noticed that it was, I don't remember what phone it was. It was actually affecting my talk back to where if it reaches that percentage, then one does not have that speech output anymore from the screen reader. And so I noticed that. And then, of course, I made sure that even if I have the battery saver thing on, that I exclude it from affecting my screen reader. So that's something to keep in mind. We will now turn on to Ed's demonstration of this segment. And here is Ed with the battery management. Ed, take it away. Hello everyone, I'm Ed Green and this week I'm here to demonstrate some of the battery settings you'll find on your Android phone. I'm using my Sony Xperia 1 Mark III. Your battery settings may well look a little bit different uh, and you might find some of them in different places, uh, but you should be able to follow along and get the general gist. So I've opened up settings, I've gone into battery and let's take a look at what we've got here. 81%, about 21 hours, 46 minutes left, enlist. That's fairly self-explanatory. That's my current battery charge and the anticipated uh, time the battery has left based on my typical usage. Battery usage, view usage from last full charge. So we're going to go into here. This is battery usage, and it will show you, as it said, the usage from last full charge. And it will show you on a per-app basis. And in here, you can configure uh, certain things, which I'll show you in a minute. So I'm going to double tap. Settings. Battery usage. Out of list. Navigate up button. And I'm going to explore to see what we have in this uh, page. 81%, 100%, 50%, 0%, 1 hour, 1 minute ago, 22 hours left, and list. So that's obviously some sort of graphical representation of my battery usage. I'm not quite sure what that's meant to show me, uh, but uh, you heard it read various percentage figures as well as time increments uh, when we went over that. Battery usage since full charge, heading. Now this will show me battery usage since full charge on a per app basis. So let's have a look at this. Screen, used for three hours, two minutes, 15%. Aqua mail, used for 50 minutes, 10%. Google Play services, used for one day, one hour, 21 minutes, 10%. Mobile network standby, used for six hours, 30 minutes, 8%. Facebook, used for 53 minutes, 6%. So you can see the various different apps and the amount of battery that they're using. Now what you can do in here is double tap and see whether the app is optimized or not. So let me talk a little bit about that. Um, what you'll find is that many mobile phone manufacturers will optimize the battery. So they might prevent apps uh, from doing certain things if, if they are being optimized. And that is generally to prolong uh, battery life of the overall handset. You know, you'll often find that cheaper phones will have longer battery life than flagship phones by default because, one, they often have bigger batteries. Two, they are powering less powerful processors. And three, they have less demanding screens. So uh, you may well get uh, more battery life out of a lower or mid-performance range phone than you will out of a flagship, unless that flagship is, is, is heavily optimizing different apps. And even then, uh, you know, it might be outperformed. So uh, many mobile phone manufacturers will uh, optimize apps to uh, prevent uh, uh, the battery draining too quickly, particularly important, obviously, in areas where you might not have reliable access to power, which is in fact why some of those uh, lower to mid-range phones do come with um, uh, bigger batteries because of, of the markets they can often be aimed at. Um, so in here, we can determine whether apps are being optimised by the battery. You may notice that if an app is being optimised, it might not function correctly. You know, notifications might be delayed. I'll show you another battery setting that can sort that out as well in a minute. Uh, but yeah, you, you, you will find that if it is uh, not performing as expected, go in here and check. So let's see. I think we're on Facebook. I'll double tap it and see what options we've got. Settings. Battery usage. Out of list. Navigate up. Button. Facebook. And list. One hour. 53 minutes total. One hour background. From left. Open. Button. Disable button. For stop button. Manage battery usage. Heading. Not selected. Radio button. Unrestricted. Allow battery usage in background without restrictions. May use more battery. So if we wanted to do that, uh, as I say, you might you might now use both battery and data in the background if you wanted to perform instantaneously an app like Facebook. Selected. Radio button. Optimized. Optimized based on your usage. Recommended for most apps. 
I'm fine with this because I don't have Facebook premium notifications anyway. I like to use it when I use it. It doesn't need to do anything in the background for me. Um, uh, I don't I don't have those pop up on my screen. I use the notifications tab in the app itself. So um, optimized is, is perfectly acceptable for me for Facebook. Let's go and have a look. Not selected. Radio button. Restricted. Restrict battery usage while in background. App may not work as expected. Notifications may be delayed. Yeah, so um, notifications may be delayed on optimized too, by the way. Um, so it, says, it says they may be delayed on unrestricted. They may perfectly well be delayed on optimized. Um, so uh, there you are. There you have it. Those are the options. You might have noticed that um, that dialogue looked a little bit like the dialogue you might get if you went into your apps list, double tapped and held an app and chose app info and then open app settings, or indeed just went into settings, apps and chose the apps. And it looks like that because that's what it is. Um, you then go and choose the battery and you would get the screen that we got to via the battery settings. I think that's all I want to show you in battery usage. So I'm going to back out. Navigate up button with settings. Facebook used for navigate up button settings. Battery usage. View usage from last full charge and list. Stamina mode off. We don't want stamina mode. We don't need our battery prolonged to that extent. Battery care reduces the amount of time the battery is supposed to fully charge to increase the battery lifespan. Let's go into battery care and have a look at this. Battery care. Navigate up. Button out of list. So, so battery care is going to be particularly useful if you charge your phone while you sleep. Maybe you plug it in overnight or, you know, during the morning if you work night shifts. And you want it to be at 100% when you wake up. But what you might not want it to do is charge at um, uh, regular speed just to prolong the battery. So let's go see what we've got in here. Battery care. Use battery care. On. Switch. So I have battery care on. Selected. Radio button. Auto. Your device automatically learns when you usually leave your device charging for hours and an estimate suitable times to activate battery care and list. So mine basically does it overnight. Uh, so I have it set to auto. Not selected. Radio button. Custom. Set time range when you usually leave your device charging for hours. So this can be helpful if you don't charge it when you sleep. Maybe you charge it while you're at work. Uh, you have it charging on your desk. You might go and do that. Or as I say, if you work nights and sleep a different pattern, uh, you might do that. Start time. 2200 battery care is activated when you start charging after this time. Disabled. Target time for full charge. 0600 battery will be fully charged by this time. Disabled. So that's fairly straightforward. That's auto. Obviously, if I wanted to be able to change that, I would have hit custom and I could alter those time fields in a fairly standard Android way. I don't think I need to show you that. Not selected. Radio button. Always stop charging after a specified limit to increase lifespan. Charging limit. 90%. Disabled. If we didn't want it done on time, you could you could, you could just do it on the limit. So, so 90% is the charging limit. So it charges at full speed up to 90% and then sort of pauses and gets it to 100% by the time uh, my target time happened, which, as you heard, was 6 a.m. Uh, it will explain that, I think, in the rest of this uh, page slightly more eloquently than I just did. But we'll carry on looking. Charges in a way that reduces the amount of time the battery is close to fully charged to increase the battery lifespan out of list. Your device will be charged at the same speed as regular charging. Charging stops at 90% if there is still time left until the target time. Charging resumes and target time is getting closer. Auto. Battery care detects when you usually leave your device charging for hours and estimates at what time you will disconnect the charger, the time your device is supposed to be fully charged. Battery care will not be activated if it cannot detect the time period when you usually charge your device or you change the time you usually charge it. Custom. You can customize the time range for when you normally leave your device charging, such as at night. If you charge your device outside this time range, battery care is not activated, but regular charging starts instead. Always. Charging stops when a specified percentage is reached to increase the lifespan of the battery. Setting that limit to 80% yields even better results. Uh, yeah, so mine is on auto and it's at night just because that's when it happens that I charge my battery. Uh, uh, if you maybe maybe you have lots of periods of long charges where you don't want to unplug it. So maybe battery care wouldn't have kicked in in that scenario uh, for you. But for me, it does. And it works as, as I would want it to. But it's useful to have a custom option. Navigate up button. Settings. Battery care reduces the amount of time the battery is close to fully charged to increase the battery lifespan and list. So there's just one more thing I want to show you in settings, I think, here in battery. Battery share function. Transfer battery from this phone to another device that supports Kai. So if you have wireless charging and you have another device, maybe you've got some AirPods or you've got another phone, uh, you can set this so that your phone is effectively a charger for that other device. It's quite slow, obviously, um, but you can do that. I won't show you that. Adaptive battery. Detecting when apps drain battery. So adaptive battery, I will show you. 
Settings. Adaptive battery out of list. Use adaptive battery. Limit battery for apps that you don't use often. Off. Switch and list. To extend battery life, adaptive battery limits battery for infrequently used apps. Your device will learn how you use apps over time. Notifications may be delayed for these apps. Yeah, so uh, if it doesn't think you're using the app, it'll 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 limit its ability to use battery. I don't like that at all. Um, I keep it off uh, because some apps that it may think I use infrequently, I actually rely on the notifications. I never go into the app or indeed the notifications. I'm thinking particularly sports scores app. They will look infrequently used on my device because seldom do I open them. I set the notifications for teams that I'm interested in and then watch those notifications ping up. Uh, so in my phone's view, that is an infrequently used app. So and I don't want, obviously, real-time sports score notifications delayed. So that, folks, is a quick tour of some of the features in battery settings. Thank you so much, Ed, for that wonderful demonstration of the battery management. We now move to the app of the week. And this time we're talking about an amazing app called Amazing Slow Downer. And this is what our guest, Rod McCoo, is going to be uh, demonstrating for us. And it's a long episode, so we're going to actually have a very special segment to this. During the midweek, we're going to have something called the midweek special, presenting this entire demonstration on its own because it's pretty lengthy. But we would like to talk about it first. Uh, Rod, would you like to talk about the amazing slowdowner and what it does, and especially who it is meant for? and things like that. It's going to be on its own as a special episode for our midweek that we haven't done in quite a while, but give us that intro to it, if you will. Okay, the amazing um, slowdowner is intended for um, primarily musicians who want to do transcribing uh, of their music. For example, if they are not some of those people that can listen to it by ear, and quickly pick things out. Uh, my brother can do that, but I couldn't, I mean, no way could even attempt to try uh, something like that. What it allows you to do is change some of the audio attributes in a file. It does handle quite a few file formats, MP3, OG, Wave. I think. I can't remember, remember all of them. And it will allow you to for example, change the balance. So if you want to hear the right track louder than the left so that you could isolate some part of the music that you were trying to learn, you can do that. You can change the pitch uh, up as much as one octave and down as much as one octave. You can change the speed um, to be at 25% of the original rate or 200% of the original rate. You can create loops with uh, the amazing slow downer and um, then then the various basic things uh, that you can do fast forward re rewind etc it also has a six band equalizer and a preamp now i haven't um, worked with any of those to any degree but i think the preamp might allow you to raise the volume of uh, a track but um, like I said, that I'm not too familiar with. A big addition to the app with regards to accessibility was the implementation of using an external keyboard. And having the external keyboard allows you to very precisely move the sliders uh, in order to make your various adjustments when transcribing music. Um, I would, in the beginning, when I started using the app, I would try to adjust the sliders and I could kind of get there and maybe with a lot more practice, I could have gotten there. But with the um, uh, implementation of the keyboard, you can pretty quickly and easily uh, move the slider to the slider to the desired position. Other things that you might be able to do with the amazing slowdowner that aren't musically related might be to use it to record lines, to memorize. For example, if you were in a play or you wanted to learn a speech, you could create a loop and use it that way. 
you might be able to use it um, to help you learn a foreign language by slowing words down, the set phrases down in ways that might help might help you um, learn to pronounce a different language. Another thing you could do would be to use it for reading a book. You could adjust the speed and pitch of the, say, if you had the book on an MP3 file. And the final thing you might um, use it for might be is if you're in a classroom and have a recording of the class, you could reduce the background noises below, say, 150 hertz, which would reduce a lot of the hum in the room. And then you might um, adjust the slider at the 400 hertz in order to remove some boxiness from the voices. And you also might want to raise the um, slider at the 6,000 or 6 kilohertz level in order to give your the vocal more highs. So those are just a few of the things that you might want to do if you want to use the amazing slowdowner. Really interesting. So it seems like this has uh, more than what meets the eye. It does other things just besides uh, that music thing that you're talking about, you know, because I, I don't play music, but so it sounds like this would be a heaven for someone who knows how to play music and it's learning some uh, songs that he's heard or would like to know how to play those songs. And most especially if one is not able to read music, for example, I think this is going to be a very good tool for such a person that does not have the ability to read music, but, you know, read it by ear. Yeah, so I think this is a very good thing for uh, people to have. And by the way, I think if we haven't mentioned, uh, you already mentioned it in the uh, recording. Uh, we encourage people to listen to uh, it's going to be on our YouTube, and also then we're also going to be putting it as a uh, midweek special. And by the way, give people a heads up. This thing is like ten dollars, right? I don't think is that that is there a trial for this thing? I'm not sure. Um, there is a trial. I forgot. There might be some limitations. It's been a while since I looked at the app, but the Android app, uh, version of the app is only nine ninety five. Okay, and it, it does have a trial, right? I believe so, and the, but the trial may be limited. Of course, they're always limited. Um, that's why we're paying. If you want to have the full experience, then absolutely yeah. you have to buy it. And $10 for such a great app is not bad at all. Yes, I would say it's a very economical way to have the ability to be able to change audio attributes in your file. Well, thank you so much for that. Uh, Rod, and we will be looking forward to having it on there, and then we'll be having it as our midweek special. Great, and thank you for allowing me to show people what this app can really do. I'm really hoping that people in, in various ages will find it useful. Those who, for example, are taking music in school or up to the adult that just wants to have music as a hobby would be able to use this app. Thank you. We now move on to our next segment, and that would be the theme of highlights from TalkPack. And this week, I demonstrate another highlights of the gestures from TalkPack, and here is that demonstration. We continue now with our theme of highlights from TalkPack. This is installment 34. In the last installment, installment 33, I discussed the double tapping and holding to enter the selection or ending of the selection mode. Today I'll be talking about the triple tapping with two fingers. For today's demonstration, I'll be utilizing my Pixel 4 running Android 12 and TalkBack 12.1. And for the TTS engine, I again am utilizing the speech services from Google. I am on the home screen now and will navigate my way to the TalkBack menu by tapping with three fingers to invoke the TalkBack menu. TalkBack menu. Actions. In list. I am in the TalkBack menu. The next thing I want to tap on is the TalkBack settings. TalkBack settings. TalkBack settings. Navigate up. Button. Out of list. 
Here we are in the talkback settings. Next thing we want to do though is to scroll down the page or scroll down the screen and we do the scrolling down by putting two fingers in the middle of the phone and gliding those fingers upwards which in turn scroll down the page. Thus, to scroll up the page, one would put down two fingers in the middle and glide the fingers downward which scrolls up the page. In this case though, I'm scrolling down the page and I'll therefore be gliding the fingers upwards. Now that I have scrolled down my page, I'll put my finger down and what I'm after is the item that says Customize Gestures. Here we go. Customize Gestures. Here is Customize Gestures and I'll tap here to activate. Customize Gestures, out of list. We are now on the customization page of the gestures. What will need to happen now though is for you to change your granularity, that is to change your mode. In other words, if your talkback was in word mode or in lines mode or paragraph mode, what we need to do now is to change that mode or that granularity to the headings granularity. As I've always said, we got three methods of changing those granularities or those modes. My personal preference is that one that I use one finger and scrub up and down in one fluid movement to change my granularity. You can also swipe down with three fingers or swipe from left to right or right to left with three fingers and that will accomplish the same thing. Mine is already set to the headings granularity and therefore I have no need of changing my granularity. I will now simply swipe down with one finger to get to the two finger heading. In other words, after reaching the heading granularity or the heading mode, all that you need to do now is swipe down with one finger until you hear it say two finger gestures. Here we go. One finger, heading, in list. Swipe down. One finger back and forth, heading. Swipe down. One finger angle, heading. Swipe down. Two fingers, heading. Here we are in the two fingers heading. The next thing I'm looking for here is the item that says Triple tap with two fingers. Read from next item. Now what this means is that if I were reading something on the internet, say I'm reading an article or reading some text or whatever, it could be either on the internet, it could be a document, it could be whatever that contains text. And I want to read from where I just stopped, then all I need to do is triple tap with two fingers. To demonstrate what I'm talking about, I'll find my way to the Google Home feed to show you what I'm talking about. I'll now navigate my way home. Pixel Launcher, Folder, Communication. There I am on my home screen and now we'll swipe with two fingers from left to right to go to the Google Home feed. Pixel Launcher. Button, how to use Google Assistant to log meals and check exercise stats, heading, in list. Here's an article here about how to use the Assistant to check meals and stats. Button, how to use Google Assistant to log meals and check exercise stats, heading. I will tap here to open this particular article. 0% Progress Bar Chrome How to use Google Assistant to log meals and check exercise stats, Android Central WebView Here's an article from Android Central about how to use the Google Assistant to check your stats and things like that. Now, if I put my finger down. Advertisement. Region. Third-party ad content. And if I want to read from here, I'm going to triple tap with two fingers. How to use Google Assistant to log meals and check exercise stats. Heading 1. By Andrew Myrick. Link. Published. About 22 hours ago. Let Google Assistant handle your workout and meal tracking. Facebook. Link. Twitter. Link. Pinterest. Link. Google Assistant and MyFitnessPal on Pixel 6 Pro with Galaxy S22 Ultra. Graphic. I just tapped with two fingers to pause the reading. Now you understand what I'm talking about. So in other words, when you're reading an article and you put your finger down and it reads and it stops, and you want it to continue reading from where it stopped, then all you need to do is triple tap with two fingers.
And that's how you go about using the triple tapping with two fingers to do a continuous read or read from the next item. And that's the triple tapping with two fingers to read from the next item. That was the demonstration. And now we turn our attention to my very special segment. And this is that Android journey story that I so much love. And you guys, we encourage you to always come on or pre-record if you wanted to your Android journey stories and send it to us. And we're so thankful today that Rod actually agreed to come on and talk about his Android journey story. We know those stories sometimes are nice. Sometimes they have rough endings or rough beginnings, I should say, uh, to them. And But then through... But then one goes through all that rough and tumble, and then by the time you know it, you are loving your Android journey. <laughs> so, uh, Ron, welcome again, and uh, we'll turn over the mic to you and help you talk to us about your Android journey story when you started, um, what difficulties you encountered uh, during this journey, and things like that, and how you got to know about some of the blind Android communities out there and have become part of us. Okay, well, I was first introduced to Android when I met Lou Lasher at an international ski event in 2016 in Michigan. For those of you who um, do not know about Ski for Light, it is a way for mobility impaired and visually impaired skiers to do cross-country skiing with the assistance of a guide. It's a week of skiing and socializing. There are a lot of motivated people at those events. Lou is telling me over lunch about a free app that he had written, which provided walking navigation. It was called Get There. And as a side note, without going into much detail, because I am not that familiar with the detail, the app is now located at Lou Lasher. Dot com if you wish to download the latest version of the Get There app. He was telling me how you don't even need to have cell service to use this app. Prior to that, I think I was using something called the Trucker Breeze. And when um, you started out walking, you weren't sure if you were going to get a satellite connection or not. It seemed to depend on whether or not the day was cloudy and other factors. But with the cell phone, the Android phone, you could count on a connection right away or soon after you started the app up. A couple days later, after Lou had told me about that, my partner Don and I went outside with Lou on a cold afternoon to check it out. And I would say the highlight uh, was that at one point, the app pointed out a street that Don and Lou had to look for as it wasn't apparent to them. I think it was like a block away from where we were standing. And, uh, oh, oh, wow, there you are there, get there, found this street. I think it was like Ohio Street or something like that. So I went home and I purchased the $30 LG phone that Lou was talking about. And after six months, I gave it to my brother. My brother, Jerry, is also blind and he... Um, so he was using that app for a while. And I bought a Moto E, which I still have today. I think it was probably in the same price range. And um, unfortunately, between Motorola and Google, they are slowing the phone down to a state of unusable. I really like that phone uh, for use with Get There as it was small and it had an adequate volume. It was also a phone that I used for quite a while to assist me with indoor cycling and running. But again, the app developers seem to have a way of destroying accessibility on some of those apps. And, and now I'm not really able to use that phone for that purpose anymore. In the fall of 2016, I decided to purchase uh, uh, an Android phone with cell service. So I made them, but unfortunately I made the mistake of purchasing a Moto Z phone. The support from Verizon and Motorola wasn't very good. 
In the end, the phone was only upgraded to 8.0. I never was offered the option to go to 8.1. What was really helpful to me was the eyes free mailing list. That's what it was called, right? And uh, um, that was where I saw a lot of posts from Warren and Austin, I think, was on there and many others. It was a very high traffic list, but it was also very helpful. And I had Anna Garza's book on, on Android. It seemed at that point that there was so many things to learn and then apps would change. Um, so it felt like you were always uh, trying to just keep your head above water. Yeah. But eventually I found it um, the phone to to be comfortable to use for various applications. But I, I had problems with the Android phone itself, for example, making simple phone calls. Right now, I really don't remember what they were, except that sometimes TalkBack would scream in your ear when you were holding the phone to your ear. And um, so after a while, I, after my two-year contract was up, I decided I needed to really switch over to iOS. Don had iOS and Although I had some reluctance to do so, I switched over. And um, while Apple is the uh, iOS is anything but perfect, it uh, I, had, I felt I needed to do that weighing all the, the pros and cons. I still like my Moto Z phone for, for other things, with, even without cell service. You never know when you might find a visually impaired person that could use help with Android. So I think it's it's good to know. And at some point, perhaps, uh, there will be an opportunity which will cause me to decide if I you know, really do need to get, for example, the Android phone and the watch. It depends if there's an application in there that I would really like to use. It's really interesting, uh, Rod, that you talked about that. I'm talking about that LG phone. You're talking about the $30 uh, phone. I remember uh, Lou talking about that phone on the mailing list uh, back during the ice free uh, days. And of course, I had also gone out and gotten one. I think mine was $19.99. It was called the Sunrise, uh, LG Sunrise, very little uh, compact phone. And, you know, Amazingly, actually, it had TalkBack running on it, and I <laughs> I turned that thing on, and it worked. So I gave it to my kid. My kid was very young at the time, and it was a perfect phone. Um, but it's interesting that you were actually able to run the GPS app on it, and actually that you liked it. This is one of those uh, things in Android that we really like because it just... Uh, cuts through the whole price points, whether you want a flagship device, uh, mid-ranger or below mid-ranger um, phone and things like that, you can find it all uh, strewn across the Android landscape. And so that's one of the things that I like about it. And so when I hear stories like yours, where, you know, there's this type of uh, experiments or whatever that, you know, people have this type of uh, phones and all of that, and yet be able to use it. I think it just goes to prove that point that Android is that versatile. Yes, it is. It is amazing. I just was wish it wasn't so hard to keep up on all the changes and talk back. And on the Apple side, uh, it seems like we're always trying to just uh, stay ahead. But um, I am interested in in um, updating my Android skills again. And I think someday I would probably buy a Samsung phone. I like the idea of having Ant Plus on the Samsung phones because when we go cycling, we can uh, use our bike sensors. And 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 um, if we need to, we can share the sensor with Ant Plus that you can't do with Bluetooth. And also the idea of if I could find a watch to wear with my phone and find an app that would um, give me progress reports uh, while I'm on my treadmill. That would be awfully nice also. 
And that's where those wearables come in. And also, you know, this is something that one could also just simply use their phone if you wanted to. Uh, and just using that Google Fit and having a headset on, you could get those updates, uh, progress updates on your phone if you don't have a watch or whatever. So it's really nice that, to see that we, you know, we've gotten into this territory where we could have all of these things accessible to us. Because the word here is that accessibility. I want to be able to uh, know what is going on as a blind person. Um, I don't want to ask someone to tell me what's going on. You know, how many steps have I taken? And the good news is that, you know, these things are accessible to us. And whether one has a watch or not, one could simply use his or her phone and just utilize that Google Fit. And it, it works very well, you know, for a while. I'm not into that kind of stuff, but now and then I try it for giggles and I noticed that it works well. I guess I will have to look a little more into Google Fit. I am not familiar with that app. Yeah, definitely Google Fit is an app to look into because it makes it easy. And like I said, it's very accessible. And I'm not sure, but I think that our own Anna, um, the one you bought the book from, uh, did a demonstration, or oh, I think it was Austin, actually. Austin, didn't you do something about Google Fit when we were doing some fitness uh, stuff uh, last year? I think it was episode... Yeah, I did. I did, yeah. Yeah. Uh, so it's it's just one of those things that uh, it's actually right there. And a lot of times, people are not aware of those things. And uh, in reality, it's just right there. One of the uh, frustrations I have is when I see an inaccessible app and I try to gather a few suggestions for types of code that might help. They were given to me by Lou and I, I send them in and I'm thinking, is it really that hard to add these few lines of code? And yet it is very difficult, it seems, to get developers to even acknowledge the problem and that was one of the nice things about the amazing slowdown or that Rolf was willing to actually fix the icons, uh, labels on the icons that were missing. And then he was willing to learn about implementing the use of an external keyboard. It, it is really hard to find developers that want to do that. It is really nice knowing, though, that this app, you know, the amazing slowdowner uh, supports uh, keyboard navigation because Sliders can be a little bit finicky, can't they? You know, they can be very finicky. And when you have the ability to use your keyboard to, you know, do things precisely, I think that gives that app a plus in my world because it makes it very important then and absolutely accessible. And when you find developers that are willing to go the extra mile, I think those people are worth the support of their app. And a lot of developers don't understand, you know, the subject of the accessibility. And sometimes if we need to just gently tell them, hey, you know, here are resources here could find about this accessibility, or here are pages that would help you with that. I think there would be, most of them would be willing to do it, but some of them would say, oh, it takes too much time. But in reality, these things don't take all that time that a lot of uh, developers would like us to believe it does. Perhaps because of my age, I really like using apps that have keyboard access to them. I think it's fun to tab around. I'm not swiping. I feel more relaxed holding my keyboard. I don't have to worry about inadvertently dropping a finger and changing the focus. It really makes sense to have an app that supports that keyboard navigation, uh, most especially if we're talking about apps like this one, for example, that musical app that we just talked about, the Amazing Slow Downer. Frankly, it, it would make sense that this type of an app should have that keyboard support because then you have that fine control of the app and control it the way that you would like to have access to it. So I don't, I don't blame you for liking that. And, uh, uh, I think that it just adds more productivity to it, you know, things that you can quickly, because if you're using a keyboard command, you can quickly jump to a place that you want to. You, just like those of us who are blind, you know, when we're using our internet, using our screen reader on the internet, we, you know, utilize those, you know, keyboard commands, and it would be nice 
to have apps that support those type of things uh, and fully support keyboard. But I think the problem that we have is a lot of people or developers are not familiar with these things or choose altogether to ignore things having to do uh, with keyboard. And it's sometimes a little bit of an arm twisting to get people to get to doing things like that. Yeah, if I think of a sighted person, how they might use their phone, I'm thinking for most sighted people, the last thing is that they would think you need a keyboard to go with this phone when you can quickly touch and do whatever you need to do. They don't realize how things take us a slightly um, take us slightly bit more time to do what it is we want to do. Exactly, and and that all makes sense. Well, thank you so much, Rod, for that wonderful Android journey story. And um, I am looking forward to you, you know, trying another Android phone. Um, the Z uh, is a, was a good phone, and it's still a good phone. Uh, however, the problem that we have with Motorola phones is that Motorola doesn't give them any life unless one goes by the uh, modding uh, using a custom ROM, and which is not uh, something that any person can do. Uh, it's only to the enthusiasts who know how to do those. But so in reality, I think you're looking at Samsung. Samsung is a good one to have because Samsung, actually, they're now the king of updates. And so uh, even surpassing Google in that department because some of the Samsung phones, including even mid-rangers, now have up to four years of OS support compared to the three-year OS support of the flagship phones from uh, Google. So uh, I think you wouldn't be wrong to, you know, down the line, you know, try uh, a Samsung phone for a change and see how that compares to uh, your Motorola support. Yes, well, my Motorola is uh, pretty slow. My biggest issue probably would be, oh, I got these two phones, but I really don't want two phone lines. But anyway, should I still spend the money? And so I'm guessing someday, maybe in a year or two at the outside, I'll end up buying a, a second, you know, a Samsung phone, which would mean I'd have a nice iPhone and a nice Samsung phone. I guess that's what technology is all about. It's the only way to learn how this technology works. Exactly. Well, that brings us to the conclusion of this week's episode. And again, we thank you guys for listening to us. We're looking forward to catching you guys next week. And from my end, I say goodbye. Later. So long. Bye, everyone, and uh, look forward to the midweek episode. Great. <laughs>